Welcome to another I Love to Tell the Story podcast. This is a podcast for praise. Our theme verse for this podcast is Psalm 145, verse 4, which says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare God's mighty acts. This is a place that we like to get together and just share the stories about how people came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and about how God has brought us through so much in life. Today I'm joined by Roseville Baptist Church member Randy Tilford. Hi, Randy. Thanks for being here. Hi. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to be able to hear your story. So thank you for sharing with us. And why don't you just go ahead and dive right into it and tell us the story about how Jesus brought you to know him as Savior. Okay. Well, it started with my parents, and I guess um, all of our stories start with our parents, actually. And um, Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. mom was a Christian. She went to Presbyterian Church all of her life, and she was even their piano player as a teenager, and she never missed a Sunday in over two years, and she loved it. But her problem was she married my father, who was an Italian and loud, very loud Italian, and um, he came from a Catholic background, but his religious experience was when he went to um, confession, he had five sisters, and he they all went first because he was one of the youngest, and he would hear the priest ask them questions about their sex life, and it turned him off. He didn't want anything else to wow. do with church yeah. or God or anything. So when my parents were married, my mother sent my sister and I to a local Sunday school, and I absolutely fell in love with Jesus then with the uh, flannel graph. I can still remember, and I'm 74 years old, <laughs> I can still remember the big flannel graph stories, and yeah. I loved it. I couldn't wait to get back, and that happened about six years. My sister was born first, five and a half years older than me. My parents were told they could never have any more children because my mother had a lot of uh, female problems. She even had partial, um, her uterus, the ovaries Mm -hmm. were taken out and Mm. they told her she could never get pregnant. Well, five and a half years later, she did with me. But I wasn't a boy. My father wanted boys. And my sister was a tomboy. She did everything physical to do to help my dad to realize that she, he didn't need a boy. He had her. <laughs> but I came along and he told me that I was a mistake. That, wow. uh, all, that because I wasn't supposed to be born. And, um, but like I said, my mother did all she could to send us to church. She never took us to church. But I have this memory sitting on the porch with my mother when I was about six or seven, I guess. Uh, the age, I get mixed up. But mm-hmm. she was watering our lawn that had just been seeded. And I was sitting next to her, and she tells me, she says, Randy, I want you to know something. I don't care if you marry somebody rich. I don't care what you grow up to be. But I want you to know Jesus as your own personal Savior. Wow, yeah. She said that to me. I had no idea what she was talking about because I didn't hear that at the Sunday school. I just knew I loved Jesus. I loved the Bible stories. I loved Mm. God. I knew God. But from that day on, I always had a presence that I knew knew God was with me. Mm. But then when I turned about, I turned about 14, I guess. 
my father decided he wanted to go to Iraq and work on the building roads because that's what he was in heavy construction. And my mother begged and pleaded him that he didn't go because she had this teenager, uh, two teenagers about that time, and um, please don't go, she would say. And he says, I'm going, I'm going to go. And she says, well, I won't be here when you come back. Mm. She drank for two years, every night. It was all I would do is stay up and wait for her. I, she'd come in at two or three in the morning, absolutely drunk, just pass out on the couch, and I'd be there to cover her up and make sure she was okay before I, and my sister was older and she was so involved with school and sports and everything, but I was there to protect my mother. I did everything I could to try to keep her safe and I didn't get any sleep at night until mm. she got in. So my schooling, I went through school, I got good grades even, but I can't even remember studying. I mean, it's all I cared about was my mother. And um, then one day, they divorced, and she married somebody else, and I came home from high school, probably my junior year, and she said, I want to die. And so she, I said, well, go ahead. I was so upset with her drinking. Mm. And she took a whole bottle of poison in front of me. Wow. So I called 911, or I might have just called the police then, and they come out and took her to a hospital and pumped her stomach, but she was very angry with me. Mm. And I was, uh, the police took me to the police station. They didn't know what they were gonna do with me, so they called my father. And he didn't want to, but he came and got me because the police almost said, you have to or else she's going into uh, foster care. Mm. So he came and got me and I had to, he was in Castro Valley and I had to take a bus to San Lorenzo. Uh, I don't know if you know where that's at, but that's in mm -hmm. the Bay Area to high school because I was in high school. And I was in an acapella choir and that's where I really uh, got closer to Jesus because that's where I heard again, all the acapella choir people, most of them belonged to a Baptist church just down the street. So at lunchtime, we'd all gather down there and sing godly Christian songs and everything. Mm -hmm. And they took me under their wing. And then I went to a youth rally with them. And that's when I heard, you must know Jesus personally as your savior. And I said, oh, I remember my mother telling me that. Hmm. So I went forward and I repented of my sins and I trusted Jesus as Savior, but then my life got worse. That's when uh, my da dad came home from work one day and all my mother had been writing to my sister who lived in Castor Valley and had just had a baby around then. And um, my mother would write to her and f letters to me, but my father didn't want me to have anything to do with my mother. so. I would bring the letters home and hide them in my drawer. Hmm. And one day, I came home from school, and all these letters were out on the table. And my dad said to me, pack your bags and get out of here. I was probably 15. Well, I didn't know. I wasn't, I didn't drink. I didn't go around with boys. I didn't do anything. Um, so I packed his uh, bag, uh, grocery bag, with a little bit of clothes, and I started walking out the door, and he said, where do you think you're going? I said, I'm going to the local police station because it's dark, and I'm not going to go out in the streets. I'm going right to the police. 
He said, no, you're not. You're calling your sister. So I called my sister, and my brother-in-law came and got me, and I lived with them until my senior year. I met John as a senior, and um, after I graduated, I went to uh, beauty school, got my license, and um, met John. Then, or I had, I was already going to study with John, but we got married when I was 18 and a half, and um, I invited my dad to the wedding, and he wouldn't come. Wow. So then um, I kept trying and trying to uh, invite my dad. Um, so anyway, when he, I invited him to the wedding, he didn't come, but he did send me a check. And so I tore it up in the littlest pieces you could ever tear up a check. And mm. I stuck it in an envelope and I sent it back to him and told him that uh, if you didn't want to come to my wedding, I don't want your money. And that really impressed him. So then he started coming around and I had my children. John was not a Christian, We'd, but... Um, Right after we got married, I moved into a little duplex, and the couple next door had just gotten married, and they were Baptist and went to the local Baptist church in Hayward. And hmm. uh, because John worked on Sundays, um, I went with them and grew in grace and knowledge and knew um, I had the Lord with me all the time. I had trusted him, Savior, but that's when I started growing, mm. was in that church. Mm -hmm. I would not miss a Sunday. I love studying and reading and learning, but John wasn't saved. So it took many years for John to come around, but it was only because I was growing, as I was growing and coming closer <laughs> to the Lord. And so I had my two sons, and... Um, they, John allowed me to send them to Christian school. He allowed me to take them to church because John, he didn't drink or smoke or anything. People thought he was a Christian, <laughs> but uh, he, he wasn't. And um, so when my son, oldest son, became about 13, he started questioning, why do I have to go to church? And dad doesn't. Hmm. John heard that, and uh, it, he was on the fence. So he asked me one day, he just says, okay. How do I be saved? And so he bowed his head in my living room, and he trusted the Lord as Savior. And that day, he started going to church with us that next Sunday and um, never looked back. But mm. during that time when my son was about 13, my father got um, cancer, and lung cancer, and he was in the hospital dying of lung cancer. Was, at that time, and Kaiser had hospice in the hospital. And... Um, I went one day, and he says to me, oh, I've been reading about the end times in the world. And mm. it wasn't a Christian book. It was just exciting books about the end times. Mm. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, well, I just finished a book about the end times. I'm going to bring it to you. It was Late Great Planet Earth oh, by yeah. Hal Lindsey. Yeah, definitely. I brought it to him, and I said, this is a terrific book, and this tells the truth about the end times. And so I didn't know if he was going to read it or not. I went home. And I prayed that he would read it. Well, the next few days I went back, he had it all read and he had a page dog-eared on it. He said, look at that. And I looked at the page and it was the plan of salvation in the mm. book. And he said, I did that. And I says, you wow. mean you asked Amen. Jesus to be your savior? He said, yes. Huh. I said, well, well, how do you know? I said, do you know if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Yes, I know that. But I also know he's going to heal me. Mm. I said, Lord, oh, I said, Dad, you have 
drank all your life, you have um, smoked all your life, and you're suffering the consequences of that right now. So um, he could heal you, but if he doesn't, it's you know that you're going to heaven now. You've trusted him as Savior. He said, yes, I did. But so I left at that, and I went home on my knees. I prayed for days that God would give me a sign that it was true, that mm. it really was saved. Not just that he wanted to be healed, mm -hmm. but that he was truly saved. Mm -hmm. I begged the Lord. I mean, I remember just crying and crying. And so the next time I went back, his lung, one of them had already collapsed, and he could hardly breathe out of the other, and it was just a few days before he was dying. He told me to come close to him, and I couldn't touch him because his skin, he was so skinny. They say, don't touch him because it hurts. Wow. Their nerves are... Wow. So I bent down to him, and he whispered in my ear, does your sister know the Lord as her Savior? Huh. I knew right then, I just started crying and bawling, and I will even now, that that was the only thing he could have said to me, that I knew his salvation was real, because my sister had nothing to do with him and didn't want to. Wow. And he was concerned about her salvation. Yeah. So that's the story of God answering prayer for me and leading me to Christ from that day on. I mean, John and I have gone to church. He's... Um, he was a wonderful. He is a wonderful father, and and God answered my prayer about John's salvation. And um, so, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that your story resonates with so many people in life because we all have various upbringings, some worse than others. But to hear the the transformation that can happen in the life of your dad and how you know he's one point is kicking you out of the house and then later on being so concerned with at, on his deathbed not his own welfare not anything else but the the soul the eternal soul of of his daughters and making sure that that they're on their way to heaven too and yeah. that 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 change that Jesus can do in our hearts and but at the same time God as you said doesn't have to heal us physically from everything but he will heal heal us spiritually from anything no matter what and um but then I must the, add to Yeah. It. I must add sorry but uh, the rest of this was Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ Jesus also has forgiven you. The whole time I'm trying to reconnect with my father, it was forgiveness because mm. God had forgiven me. And even though my father said I was a mistake and he wanted boys, uh, I knew that I wasn't a mistake with God mm -hmm. and that he was my my father. And so that's why I kept going back to my father, trying to connect with him mm -hmm. and forgiving him right. for throwing me out of the house. And so that's the story that I want to end with as far as forgiveness. I think forgiveness is the greatest attribute that we could have. And if you don't have forgiveness, you're miserable. You yeah. really are. Because Jesus said, if you don't forgive your brother, neither will I forgive you. Mm. So that's what I wanted to share as far as scripture-wise. Forgiveness to me is the most valuable attribute yeah. of being a Christian because he forgave me. 
Absolutely. And that is such a huge part of it. And that, that is that is exactly what the Christian life is all about. It's about becoming like Jesus Christ. Amen. And he has forgiven us for everything. And so sometimes it is hard for us to overlook the hurts of the past and the things that have been done to us. Mm-hmm. But when we when we're when we recognize how much God has forgiven us. And Jesus even told the parable about the two servants and one had been forgiven more than the other and how appreciative that servant was and it just changed his life. Amen. And oh absolutely yep. it being able to forgive and being able to look past and and think about our own sinfulness and how awful we were and then in comparison to what other people may have done to us it really is there is no comparison but um but if you are struggling with forgiveness right now and you're hearing this and you're thinking i just i can't i won't i i i've been too hurt i and too many times i forgave them once i forgave them twice you know fool me once fool me twice and now it's on you you know None of the, none of this matters anymore because Jesus even said we are to forgive someone 490 times in a single day if they come and ask for forgiveness. Well, they haven't come and asked for forgiveness yet. So what do I do then? Do I get to hold on to it? No. You need to forgive them anyway and just give it over to the Lord and and watch as he transforms your life and who knows that that forgiveness that you offer in your heart how it may begin to change the other person. I wonder if you hadn't have been willing, Randy, to go to your father in that time because you had forgiven him already in your own heart. And when he starts asking questions, you could have said, no, I don't even want to talk to you. I don't want to listen to anything. No, no. But you gave him that book and the Lord used the, the scripture passages in that book to bring him to a saving knowledge of Christ. And if I hadn't torn up that check and sent it back to him, he yes. probably would have never even connected with me again. I just I wanted him to know I wanted him at my wedding, not yeah. his money. Right. So <laughs> right. that started our at least talking again. Right. And something else that I think um that applies from your life to many other people's lives is there seems to be sometimes this idea that, hey, I'm gonna accept Jesus, I'm gonna go start going to church, and then my life just becomes perfect. You know, everything is just, it's all just roses and paved asphalt all the way into heaven. That's just, that's not reality. I mean, Jesus didn't even say that. He he actually told us the opposite was going to happen. People aren't going to like you. And if you challenge people to try to live a Christ-like life through your example, that your life may get harder, not easier and better. And But having that faithfulness, having that steadfastness, speaks to people in ways that our words never will. Amen. Amen. So I got another question for you. You know, is has there been a time in your life that, you know, God showed up in some, you know, unexpected way or, I mean, he showed up in a powerful way? I mean, I know you've already shared a couple of stories. I'm curious if you've got anything else that you'd like to share with us about that. Well, I do. It's, it's before John came to the Lord. Um because I had prayed for him, my kids were praying for him and everything, but uh, it became time for my sons to have dental. Uh, John had worked at the nursery all of his, ever since he was a teenager. Nursery, plant nursery. Plant nursery, yes. (laughs) And Hayward. And um, anyway, so uh, we had um, medical, but we didn't have dental. And so my kids needed braces. And 
John allowed me to send the kids to Christian school, which was our biggest bill. It was it's very expensive <laughs> yes. to send to Christian school. Yes. So when it came time for them to have braces, there was no money. Absolutely mm. none. And so I got I'll still remember this. I got on my knees and I said to God, I said, You know what? You give us those sons with crooked teeth. <laughs> and if you want them to have straight teeth, you're going to have to do it because we yes. can't do it. I mean, I just came out and told the Lord that. That's the way you give them to me. Yeah. And um, so you wouldn't believe it. But in a couple of days, John comes home from work and said, Ron just said he's going to pay for the boys' bracelets. Bracelets. Braces. <laughs> and... I said, I can believe it, because I knew we couldn't. And wow. so that and a couple of other little things led John to know that my religion and my faith in Jesus was real. Yeah. And because God answered prayers like that several times. Wow. That story sounds so reminiscent of all these other, you know, missionaries of the past and even in, in England, the missionary, the classic story he prayed for food there was no food in the cupboards and just stayed in the office and prayed until finally somebody would knock on the door and say mr Mueller, here's a check yeah. or hey here's packages of food and yeah. and that's so awesome it is to see god show up in such a tangible real way there i, I don't know how anybody else wants to try to explain that i guess a coincidence i mean it's a pretty big coincidence john couldn't even explain it yeah because i didn't tell him well he knew the boys needed bracelets but he it, ron his boss came to him and told them that yeah i was gonna pay for them <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know that that i think even speaks to the way that you prayed and said god this is how my children were and you gave them to me this way you know crooked teeth and my my oldest son he had a Big old crooked tooth also. We're getting taken care of with braces right now as well. But, you know, I think that there is, God tells us to come boldly to the throne. And as long as we are willing to accept his answer, whatever that answer is, I I think, you know, Moses went. Uh, Abraham had this conversation with God. Hey, God, what about in Sodom and Gomorrah? If there's only 50 or 40 and 30 and 20, and please, Lord, don't be upset with me. What about 15? Please, Lord, uh, let, just ask one more time. What about 10? You know, I think that that, that's a biblical way to pray. We should come to God boldly, and we should just lay out all of our emotions in front of him and say, God, I don't understand what's happening here, but if it's your will, that's the key, if it's your will, and then accept his will, but when he shows up, awesome, and then be thankful and praise him for it. Amen. And give him the glory and let it be known as we're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Well, anything else you want to share? Um about what brought you to the church now, or what, what, how you're still growing? And, and oh, still growing. That I was just telling the ladies yesterday in the ladies group that the older I get, the more I realize I don't know because I forgot it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's what happens when you get older. Because I could memorize scripture, and I somebody could even mention something, and I could go to it in the Bible, but it's hard to do that but that's why it's important to stay in church mm, mm -hmm. and um i've we were in church in fremont but we moved here 10 years ago and i looked all around we went to all kinds of churches before we made a decision and um what brought me to this church was um the fellowship of the elderly class what was ben's class 
And we loved Ben's teaching. Mm. We couldn't, we didn't get teaching like that because we went to Sunday school at all the other churches. Nobody had a Sunday school class like Ben's. Mm. And I, we absolutely fell in love with him and Ardeth and the whole class with uh, all the seniors. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so that's what brought us here 10 years ago. And uh, we're still here because yeah. we love everybody. We love the church. We love our pastor. We've got a great pastor. <laughs> you know, the church body and the church fellowship is so crucial. It is. And, and I, I do. I feel sad. I, I, I pity people who don't have a church family to call their own um, mm. that are just so disconnected. They're, as I was even preaching yesterday, they're like an amputated part of the body. They're, they're just they're out there sort of still alive yet dying, kind of crumbling crin- crind- up. Crum- What's the right word? I don't even know. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. But they're just, they're, they're shriveling up. They're, they're not continuing to be a part and be useful and grow. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's so sad to, to not have a church family. So if you're looking for a church family, I tell Amen. you what, whether it's this one or whether it's wherever you're listening from, find, find a church body that you can get in, you know, make sure they preach the word, make sure that they, they they stay true to Jesus being number one. But Man, so many other things. You just you got to find a church body, and you need to be a part. You need to serve. God has gifted you in a way that you need to use those things for His kingdom and to edify the body. So, well, Randy, thanks for being here today, and thanks for kind of sharing and and telling some other things. And if if other things come up, another another God shows up in a miraculous way, we'll we'll have you back sometime to share that story as well. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and if you would like to share your story again, please reach out to our church fan or church uh, office here. The phone number is 916-572-2322. We'd love to hear you share your story because this is a podcast where we want to give God all the praise and we want to magnify Jesus from one generation to another. Thanks for listening in. Mm-hmm.